Welcome to Conversations with Sustain and You, a Sustain and You podcast series with Northwestern leadership around all things sustainability. I'm Greg Kozak, Director of Sustainability at Northwestern University. For those of you unfamiliar, Sustain and You is Northwestern's university-wide program that aims to engage students, faculty, and staff in reducing Northwestern's impact on the environment by incorporating sustainability into our campus operations and culture. To learn more, visit our website at northwestern.edu slash sustainability. And now enjoy Conversations with Sustain and You, a Sustain and You podcast. According to some studies, the world is on track to warm by almost three degrees Celsius. This is double the rate scientists have identified as needed to constrain the worst impacts of climate change. At three degrees of warming, many predict even wider ranging and more destructive climate impacts bringing mass extinctions and rendering large parts of the planet uninhabitable. Today's podcast will focus on the Midwest, specifically clean tech innovation in the Midwest and what differentiates the Midwest clean tech innovation ecosystem from the rest of the country as we continue to combat rising temperatures and the effects of climate change. Today, we are joined by Eric Burkertz, CEO of Clean Energy Trust, a Chicago-based nonprofit that supports early-stage startups in the mid-continent region of the United States working on solutions for clean energy, decarbonization, and environmental sustainability. Eric has over 30 years of operational and general management experience, including project financing and strategy development for industrial, energy efficiency, and clean technology companies. He also serves on the advisory board for Northwestern University's Newvention Energy Program. Eric, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for being here today. Thanks, Greg. Glad to be here. We're huge fans of Northwestern University at Clean Energy Trust and thrilled that you're launching this podcast series. So happy to be as helpful as possible. Great. So, Eric, CET has been around since 2010. I personally had the opportunity to work with CET in the past, where we partnered on the Midwest Aviation Sustainable Biofuel Initiative, or MASB. But for those unfamiliar, what is Clean Energy Trust and CET's mission? Yeah, Greg, it's uh, it's hard to believe that it has been uh, 10 years. So 2020 is our 10th anniversary. Back in 2010, uh, Nick Pritzker and Michael Polsky were somewhat frustrated by the fact that the, the Midwest region had these great assets, you know, universities, national laboratories, Fortune 500 companies, a well-educated uh, STEM workforce, but they felt that the level of clean tech commercialization and startup activity was not where they thought it should be, that the, the region was punching below its weight. So they set out to do something about it, uh, and they created Clean Energy Trust as a 501c3 not-for-profit with the mission to support clean tech startups and entrepreneurs. They recruited Amy Francetic to be the founding CEO, and that was sort of the beginning of kind of the journey. What's great is that Amy's still in market today. She has a new fund focused on investing in clean tech. So it's great to have her kind of still actively fighting the good fight in the ecosystem. Fast forward to today, uh, you know, our focus is providing catalytic capital and support to very early stage clean tech companies. We've invested $5.6 million in 34 companies. So these are small seed investments. We're typically the first money going into a company. But then we roll up our sleeves and really work with those companies to help them go forward and raise more money. And to date, those 34 companies we've invested in have raised over $145 million of additional capital. And what's really cool is that nearly 60% of those companies have either 
female minority or people of color as founders. So we really are working hard to emphasize diversity and inclusion when we make our investment decisions. Part of our mission is also to make sure that the ecosystem is as supportive and frictionless for these young companies as possible. So we spend a considerable amount of time convening events so various stakeholders get to know one another and build connections and working relationships. We engage on key policy and regulatory issues. Oftentimes, we are representing the, the voice of the startup or the voice of the entrepreneur in, in key deliberations. And we're also undertaking technology scouting for, for big companies. So helping big companies access, identify and access startups and innovation in the region that can really be beneficial to their businesses. That's great. So I'm sure CET gets exposed to interesting and emerging clean technologies all the time. I'm personally fascinated by the potential of battery storage, but what, what trends are you seeing in clean tech innovation, particularly in the Midwest? Yeah, well, battery storage is, is clearly uh, critical. But uh, when we have conversations about clean tech innovation, most people center on thinking about wind turbines or perhaps batteries or perhaps solar panels. And, and they don't realize just the, the range and diversity innovation that is taking place that can have dramatic impact on emissions and energy efficiency and so forth. You know, one of the things we're, we're seeing is that there's a lot of work being done around trying to optimize existing energy assets and infrastructure. And a lot of that is through sort of digital innovation. So innovation around communication and controls so that assets can be spoken to and can speak back and can react uh, individually and more nuanced. Uh, predictive analytics and, and forecasting algorithms, you know, predictive analytics to understand when certain equipment may fail forecasting algorithms to understand weather patterns and, and when there might be grid overload or certain types of risks to, to, the, to the system. Visualization tools to help just make sense of just all this multivariate data that represents the energy grid. So there's a lot of innovation and work being done in the digital realm to make existing assets more efficient and optimized. And then storage clearly is a huge, huge component of kind of the energy transition particularly long duration storage. You know, most people think batteries and, and energy storage are thinking about consumer electronics or, you know, EVs. But, you know, what, what really will unlock the future, sort of the, the clean energy future or the clean energy transition or the low carbon transition is long duration storage. And we're talking about days, months, seasons, and kind of cracking the code on how to store energy for those durations will really pave the way for much greater, greater renewable energy penetration on the grid. Well, really, really interesting work being done on that side, both uh, at universities uh, such as Northwestern uh, here in the Midwest, and as well as at Argonne, you know, because they're one of the, 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 they're the hub for the Joint Center for Energy Storage Research, which is looking at all of these next-gen future storage technologies. Energy storage, battery storage is, is certainly going to be a game changer. Eric, you touched on this earlier, and I mentioned this in my intro, but I Ask this question selfishly. I'm from the Midwest, Northwestern space in the Midwest, but what differentiates the Midwest clean tech innovation ecosystem from the rest of the country? Well, on, on, the, on the plus side, I did mention up front, the region just has 
great world-class universities with world-class schools of engineering or science. You have national laboratories. You've got Ames, Fermilab, Argonne. If you push down to Tennessee, you've got Oak Ridge. You have a density of Fortune 500 companies that are actually pulling innovation into their businesses, either to make their own operations more efficient or to incorporate that type of innovation into their products. Cummins is a, is a great example. We do quite a bit of work with Cummins. They're based in Indianapolis. They make engines, power generation systems, and powertrains. They realize their business is changing dramatically and will change dramatically uh, with electrification. So they are very, very keen to understand where innovations around energy storage are heading, where innovations around battery management systems are heading, where innovation around distributed generation and microgrids are heading, because all of that is going to transform their legacy business. So Cummins is an example, but there are many, many other companies like that around the Midwest. And what's cool is that they are very engaged with with startups and entrepreneurs and willing to work on co-developing products or work on piloting solutions. That is something unique that the region has. The difficulty that the region has when you compare it to California or, or the Northeast is you know, these assets, these tremendous assets are actually separated by fairly large geographic distances. So they're hard to access for people. So, you know, you go to Silicon Valley, everything is dense and, you know, within a stone's throw. You come to the Midwest and, you know, one university is separated by 250 miles from the other university, which is separated by 300 miles from the national lab. And it's really hard to sort of access and understand where that innovation lies, given those that, that geographic dispersion. And that's a big role we play is trying to aggregate a lot of that innovation and, and elevate it so that people see that when you actually pull it all together, that there's cool stuff happening in the region. Yeah, you mentioned the, the geographic distances, but do you feel like the necessary policy measures and policies are in place to allow for these clean technologies to really take off and advance to the degree that they need to? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good question. Harkening back to your former life, you know, you look at alternative fuels for aviation. The market right now for alternative fuels is California because of the low carbon fuel standard. Even, I believe it's Fulcrum is developing a, a really full-fledged plant in, in Gary, Indiana to produce alternative fuels. And mm-hmm. you know, it's more economic for them to ship that to California than to supply O'Hare, right? So that, that's an example of a policy mechanism that is sort of making it difficult for companies like Fulcrum or you know, Lanza Tech or others to supply their product in region. You know, you look at New York, New York State is doing between NYSERDA and a programs called New York Best. They have a very engaged state on supporting innovation, driving pilots and deployments of innovative technologies within the state of New York. Fortunately, the, the state of Illinois, I don't think, is in a position financially or fiscally to be able to do something similar. So, you know, those are some challenges that exist. By and large, the the regulatory equation is always very, very important, but we are seeing the economics for a lot of these technologies are becoming so attractive that companies are 
adopting technologies and incorporating these technologies because many of these companies are global. So they may be based in the Midwest, but they're selling nationally and globally. So some of the policy regimes may have less impact than one might think. It's great to see that there is this business case and there are economic benefits to climate action and clean tech. I would love for Illinois and other Midwestern states to take a page from New York and California's book, but obviously in the current financial climate and pandemic environment, you know, that's clearly more challenging today than it was six months ago. But if we can move on to my next question, I know that the CET's University Accelerator Demo Day is coming up on September 17th. Can you tell our listeners more about CET's University Accelerator and a bit more about the Demo Day event? Yeah, absolutely. So the University Accelerator is designed to work with and support student teams that are coming out of uh, universities in the Midwest. And they can be graduate students and they can be undergraduate students. And the history behind the program, you know, many years ago, the Department of Energy underwrote a student business plan competition that we administered here in the Midwest. And it was actually, I mean, it was a great stepping stone for teams coming out of a, a program like Invention Energy at Northwestern. You know, when we look at a lot of the companies that we've worked with from Northwestern, which has been one of our, actually one of our most prolific university partners. A lot of those teams got their start stepping out of Newvention into the, the university competition. So, you know, Nanograph, which I mentioned, which back in the day was called Synode, you know, they, they, they began their life uh, as part of the student competition. Numat, which is out of Northwestern, CEO Ben Hernandez, same thing. You know, we've seen Hazel Tech come through and come out of Newvention Energy. It's a, it's a great program as the next step coming off a university program. So this year, we uh, decided to resurrect it because the DOE was no longer funding it. Got some financial support from Wells Fargo Foundation and NREL, and we, we opened it up. So we put out an open call for student teams. We had the exact number, like 70 teams, come in through the top of the pipeline. Uh, we went through a down selection process, both using our internal staff and outside evaluators. And we selected five teams to enter the summer long accelerator program. Uh, so we have a team from Carnegie Mellon, team from Case Western. There is a team from Northwestern, which is great. And then also a team from West Virginia. They spent the summer working on their strategy working on their pitch, refining some questions around pricing and target markets and so forth. And on September 17th, they will be presenting at our demo day for a chance to receive uh, at least $25,000 in prize money. So there'll be a panel of judges who come from industry who will be listening to their pitches and the, the winning team will walk away with uh, a cash award. So again, that's on September 17th. And we're also pretty excited that our keynote speaker is going to be Tomas Jonas, who is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Nature's Find. Nature's Find is one of these great startups that's hiding in plain sight here in Chicago. They're in the alternative protein space, developed a really highly nutritious animal-free protein and they recently, or earlier this year, they closed an $80 million funding round led by Bill Gates's Breakthrough Energy Ventures. And then Al Gore's Generation Investment Management participated. Archer Daniels Midland participated. Group Danone also participated. 
So again, this is one of these great companies that is right here in Chicago that most people don't know about. Uh, and they're using some of their proceeds to build out their production facilities in the back of the yards neighborhood, sort of over by Guaranteed Rate Field. So it's a it's a great success story. We also want to shine a light on that. You know, here's an example of something that uh, is taking place right here in our city. Now that's great. Excited to hear that NU will be well represented at the uh, Demo Day event. Eric, we are nearing the end of our podcast, unfortunately. Any final thoughts you'd like to leave us with today? Yeah, I do want to give a shout out to Newvention Energy. It's just a tremendous program. It has really spawned some great companies that we've looked at, some of which we've invested in. So, I mean, if if students at Northwestern are listening to this and they have an opportunity to participate in that program and an interest to participate, absolutely do it. It's terrific. Uh, Mark Warwath, who runs the uh, the energy vertical, is a great guy. Also, just in terms of shameless self-promotion, on October 22nd, we're having our large annual event. Uh, it was supposed to take place in person in May, but obviously things were uh, set askew due to COVID-19. So we're going to do it virtually, but it's on October. 22nd. We're going to present our four newest investments. We're also going to hear from Numix Materials, which uh, is a Northwestern company led by Katie Kohlhoff. She received the U.S. Bank Clean Tech Inclusion Award, which was a $25,000 grant, as well as uh, support and mentoring from us. She's going to tell the story about Numix and their elegant solution for removing hazardous materials and metals from uh, wastewater. And uh, we're also going to hear our keynote for that event will be Rodrigo Prudencia, who's the chief investment officer for Amazon's uh, $2 billion climate pledge fund. So that's, uh, that's coming up in October. So I do hope that uh, listeners decide to participate. We're uh, going to make it available to people free of charge. So they should register and uh, dial in and uh, you know, hear from great companies and hear what Amazon's up to on the climate front. Yeah, it's great. I'd love to hear that Northwestern's taking such a leadership role in a lot of these uh, companies that you mentioned. So Eric, on that note, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and perspectives with us as it relates to clean tech innovation, particularly here in the Midwest. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic after speaking with you here today, but it's been a pleasure. And, and thank you once again for enlightening our audience with what the Midwest can and is bringing to the table to combat climate change. This has been Conversations with Sustain and You, a Sustain and You podcast series with Northwestern leadership on all things sustainability. Please check out the Sustain and You website for the latest on future podcasts. Until next time, take care and be safe. 